It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. The most dangerous man to any government is the man who is able to think things out without regard to the prevailing superstitions and taboos. Almost inevitably, he comes to the conclusion that the government he lives under is dishonest, insane, and intolerable. A quote from H.L. Mencken, which is more relevant now than ever before. Let's start with this from multiple international sources, including RTTV. U.S. Treasury Deputy Secretary warns unvaxxed Americans that shortages will continue until everyone is jabbed. From that report, the Deputy Secretary at the U.S. Treasury has put Americans on notice that the only way to end the plague of empty shelves around the country is for every resident to be vaccinated. The frank warning came off as a threat to many. It is a threat, is it not? How else can be construed? Wally Adeyemo The Biden administration's second highest official in the Treasury Department appeared to publicly blackmail the still sizable portion of Americans who have not been vaccinated against COVID-19 during a Thursday ABC interview, seemingly blaming them, i.e. the unvaxxed, for the ongoing shortages of consumer goods, pitting society against each other, divide and conquer. How crystal clear can this scenario be? Dozens of bad news breaking reports will be covered in this broadcast. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the weekly Global Alert News broadcast, a commercial-free, non-political report that covers the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face, i.e. the oncoming train, which, for those that don't yet realize it, is completely off the rails. On top of all other forms of damage the human race has inflicted on the planet, the climate engineering insanity is, more than any other single factor, Further fueling weather chaos extremes, biblical droughts, unprecedented wildfire incinerations, and deadly deluges. If you think that climate engineering is being carried out for the benefit of the human race or the environment on which all of our lives completely depend, think again. Climate engineering is about power and control. What other dire and immediate threat does humanity currently face? The subject of so much corporate media for the last year and a half, an issue which is in fact the controller response to the unfolding and accelerating biosphere collapse and exploding human populations. As I've stated many times, that blank is not hard to fill in. I'll leave it up to the listener to decipher, although this recent development should be noted. As the power structure loses control of the narrative, they are increasingly resorting to mass distraction tactics, which they have mastered over so many years of practice. And when they feel they are completely losing control, what cards are they willing to play then? We'll soon enough find out. What happens when you attempt to pass on verifiable facts to any individual that has long since made up their mind without having done a moment's honest or objective research? They get that blank stare, or worse, they become instantly argumentative while they belch out their programmed responses of, quote, that's all just conspiracy theory, end quote. The that's just conspiracy theory statement is as I have stated so many times before, the last-ditch defense of the factless and the fearful. 
I could never count all the times that I have witnessed such a response from the willfully clueless and hopelessly programmed. The reckoning is coming. Count on it. Prepare for it. Brace for impact. Let's cover some headlines. Let's start by momentarily rewinding to the 1918 Spanish flu lie. How deep does this deception go? And for how long has it been ongoing? Never forget, history is written by the victor. Here's a few facts that societies have never been officially told. The reason modern technology has not been able to pinpoint the killer influenza strain from this pandemic, the 1918 killer Spanish flu, is because influenza was not the killer. More soldiers died during World War I from disease than from bullets. The pandemic, again, was not a flu. An estimated 95% or higher of the deaths were caused by bacterial pneumonia, not influenza virus. The pandemic was not Spanish. The first cases of bacterial pneumonia in 1918 traced back to a military base in Fort Riley, Kansas. From January 21st to June 4th, 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley. During the remainder of 1918, as those soldiers, often living and traveling under poor sanitary conditions, were sent to Europe to fight, they spread bacteria at every stop between Kansas and the frontline trenches in France. One study described soldiers with active infections who were aerosolizing the bacteria that colonized their noses and throats, while others, often in the same breathing spaces, were profoundly susceptible to invasion of and rapid spread through their lungs by their own or others' colonizing bacteria. The Spanish flu attacked healthy people in their prime. Bacterial pneumonia attacks people in their prime. Flu attacks the young, the old, and the immunocompromised. When World War I ended on November 11th, 1918, soldiers returned to their home countries and colonial outposts, spreading the killer bacterial pneumonia worldwide. During World War I, the Rockefeller Institute also sent their serum to England, France, Belgium, Italy, and other countries, helping to spread the epidemic again worldwide. According to a 2008 National Institute of Health paper, bacterial pneumonia was the killer in a minimum of 92.7% of the 1918-1919 autopsies that were reviewed. It is likely higher than that 92.7%. 50 million people died worldwide, and they blamed it on nature. Sound familiar? How many have ever bothered to do honest and objective research about the polio vaccine lie? It reads much like the 1918 total deception regarding the so-called Spanish flu. Untold catastrophe was completely connected to the polio vaccine. This is a matter of historical record. Even the polio vaccine inventor, Jonas Salk, decades later admitted that most of the polio cases were from the polio vaccine itself. Did that stop Big Pharma from pushing it? Of course not. Here's but one recent example from ABC News and other sources. More polio cases now caused by vaccine than by the wild virus. Imagine that. How about the Bill Gates global vaccine programs? Were they a, quote, success? That would depend on what one chooses to believe the ultimate goal was. In India alone, for example, the Bill Gates vaccination programs are attributed with injuring no less than 496 
thousand young girls. There were similar results with the Gates Vax programs in Africa. And yes, you can find plenty of government-sponsored so-called fact-checking sources to deny all the data that I just cited. Should such official denial be any surprise, any at all? Who else most represents the medical-industrial complex and the controllers? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Who is the real Anthony Fauci? Here's a few fun Fauci facts to ponder from Robert F. Kennedy's new book titled, Who is the Real Anthony Fauci? Let's start with this. Fauci has been the principal architect of agency capture, i.e. takeover. The subversion of democracy by a drug industry that manipulates regulators like sock puppets. And this. Failed dismally, Fauci did, over his 50-year career with the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. He failed to address the cause to prevent or cure the exploding epidemics of allergies and infectious diseases that Congress charged him with curtailing. Climate engineering is certainly a part of that factor, all the elements falling from our skies that the whole of academia and all official agencies refuse to acknowledge. Another point to ponder from RFK's book. Repeatedly, Fauci used fraud, bullying, intimidation, and falsified science to win approval for worthless and deadly drugs and vaccines. And there's this. Fauci sabotaged safe and effective off-patent therapeutic treatments for AIDS while promoting deadly chemotherapy drugs that almost certainly caused more deaths than HIV itself. And there's this. Fauci transformed the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases from a public health regulator into an incubator for pharmaceutical drugs for which he and his trusted deputies often file patents and collect royalties. Is that not a total conflict of interest? The fox is literally running the hen house and profiting from it. And there's this. Fauci repeatedly concocted and weaponized fraudulent pandemics, including bird flu in 2005, swine flu in 2009, and Zika in 2015, in order to sell novel vaccines. And there's this. Fauci partnered with the Pentagon and intelligence agencies to conduct gain-of-function experiments to breed toxic superbugs in poorly regulated labs in Wuhan and elsewhere. And let's get to the bottom line. Does anybody rationally believe that the introduction of CV-19 was an accident when we have the recognized engineering of the gain-of-function characteristic in 2015 and Fauci standing on a podium in 2017 stating that there would be a surprise pandemic during that presidency, i.e. the Trump presidency. How hard are these dots to connect? Let's keep moving. Too much to cover. From Robert F. Kennedy's childrenshealthdefense.org website. Unconscionable. Pfizer and Moderna to rake in a combined $93 billion in 2022 for COVID vaccine sales. The insider disaster capitalists, like the pirates filling their pockets with loot on a rapidly sinking ship. Not just the collapse of industrialized, militarized civilization, but the bottom line factor of biosphere collapse. It's not just coming. It's here. Another headline from Robert F. Kennedy's Children's Health Defense.org website. Secret vaccine contracts reveal how Pfizer strong-armed governments to maximize profits. In a report published last Tuesday, the source Public Citizen exposed how Pfizer, through secret contracts, used its monopoly on COVID vaccines to extract concessions from, quote, desperate governments. But shouldn't this question be asked and answered? What was and is the ultimate motive behind the desperation of so many government power structures? 
to protect and preserve the health of their populations so that they can continue to multiply unchecked while consuming Earth's waning resources until nothing is left? Is it rational to believe that this would be the actual motive of the global controllers? Or is the motive behind their desperate attempt to vaccinate populations something else altogether? You decide. How did the vax go for Colin Powell? Not so well. This footnote headline from last week. Fully vaccinated former Secretary of State Colin Powell dies from COVID complications. Guess that vax didn't go too well for him, did it? Another headline from childrenshealthdefense.org. Quote, this is politics, not science. The White House and the Centers for Disease Control prepared to vaccinate 5 to 11-year-olds prior to FDA authorization. From that report, the White House unveiled plans to vaccinate 28 million 5 to 11-year-olds for COVID. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has already issued guidance for the vaccines for that age group, even though the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has yet to approve the Pfizer vaccine for young children. My, how desperate they are to get the job done, whatever it takes. Here's another footnote headline from multiple sources. FDA's war against the truth on ivermectin. Think about this. Every single form of COVID treatment and prevention is being systematically suppressed by official sources and the corporate media they control. Why? Not hard to fill that blank in if your eyes are wide open. We, all of us, are drowning in a sea of insanity, being propagated by criminal power structures, the hopelessly corrupt, and the willfully clueless. Another headline. Nebraska Attorney General calls out the FDA, the CDC, Fauci, and corporate media for fueling confusion and misinformation on COVID treatments. From the report, at the request of the Nebraska Department of Health, Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson issued a legal opinion based on an assessment of relevant scientific literature that Nebraska healthcare providers can legally prescribe ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of COVID so long as they obtain informed consent from the patient. Again, I ask, why are all official sources, with very few exceptions like this one, in the entirety of the medical industrial complex trying so hard to restrict any way of dealing with the engineered pathogen of CV-19 other than their pharmaceutical concoctions that are wreaking havoc with human health. For anybody that cares to investigate, look at the VAR site. The injury and mortality being caused from the vaccines is staggering, absolutely staggering and accelerating. Is the president telling us the truth about anything or just parroting what he's told to say by the controllers in between his mindless, reminiscent rants, tall tales about his past filled with meaningless details. Biden is not in charge of anything. He's a puppet who is tasked with polarizing populations, just as was the case with the last occupant of the White House and those before him. All smoke and mirrors, going all the way back to John F. Kennedy. And when he drew the line in the sand, how long did he live afterward? The true controllers are and always have been those who print the money from thin air. Another headline from Associated Press. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to block a vaccine requirement imposed on Maine health care workers, the latest defeat for opponents of vaccine mandates. Question, is the blatant criminality of the controllers finally backfiring on them? You decide, perhaps while considering the next headline. From vaccineimpact.org, U.S. veterans prepare for war. 
The report states there are about 19 million military veterans in the United States, and more and more are being added to that number every day as thousands of active-duty military are refusing to comply with the COVID vaccine mandates and are being discharged. These men and women that the United States has previously invested in and trained for war apparently have no intention of idly sitting by and watching the United States become a medical police state. It would seem that our military brothers and sisters are considering the oath they took to protect their citizens from all threats, foreign and domestic. From LC.org, that stands for Liberty Council. This headline from last week, Military and Federal Employees and Civilian Contractors Sue Biden. The Liberty Council has filed a class action lawsuit along with a motion for a temporary restraining order and injunction against Joseph R. Biden, U.S. Secretary of the Department of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and U.S. Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, on behalf of members of all five branches of the military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard, federal employees and federal civilians, contractors also who have been unlawfully mandated to get the COVID shots or face dishonorable discharge from the military or termination from employment. The report then states the following facts of record. On June 23, 2021, Dr. Matthew Oster, who serves on the Biden's CDC COVID-19 task force, admitted in a PowerPoint presentation that the shots, the vaccines, are causing myocarditis in young men aged 16 to 30. And he added that, quote, it does appear that the mRNA vaccines may be a new trigger for myocarditis, end quote. This information about myocarditis is widely known by the CDC. Why aren't they disclosing it? Question. Another fact of record. On June 29th, the Defense Health Agency, DHA, published a report in the highly respected Journal of the American Medical Association Cardiology, that's JAMA, entitled Myocarditis Following Immunization with mRNA COVID-19 Vaccines in Members of the U.S. Military, end quote. The study reports that previously healthy service members have developed myocarditis, a severe and life-threatening inflammation of the heart, within an average of just four days after receiving their first shot of either Pfizer, BioNTech, or the Moderna injections. So much for safe and effective. Why do you think the Vax concoction manufacturers have insisted on and been granted total immunity for any and all injury and death their creations cause. Once power structures completely lose control of the narrative, and once unfolding biosphere collapse can no longer be hidden from populations, what will be the power structure's next move? Consider this new headline from NBCNewYork.com. Non-toxic gas to be deployed in 100-plus New York City locations, including transit, in bio-attack readiness test. End headline. But don't worry. NBC says, quote, the test gas is non-toxic and poses no health risk to the public. Right. The report then states this. New York City's response plans for a chemical or biological attack will be put to the test in a coming week as part of a federal preparedness study. The MTA says the Department of Homeland Security working alongside a team of researchers, that sounds a bit ominous, and city agencies will deploy a non-toxic gas, they say, this month at about 120 locations across the city, including transit. They then state most of the locations will be above ground, including some parks. A number of below-ground subway stations will also be included, though details on which ones weren't known. Probably keep a lot of people off the subway, wouldn't it? They then say the study simulates, quote, the aerosol release of a biological agent in a densely populated urban environment, end quote. And there's this. The study will track 
movement of non-toxic material and the results from these tests will be used to learn more about the relationship between airflow in street level and underground environments. Any that aren't completely shocked to the marrow by what the criminal organization masquerading as our government is carrying out in plain sight, in plain view, anyone that's not completely shocked by that is completely asleep at the wheel. Final excerpt from this report. The study is part of an ongoing test under the Federal Urban Threat Dispersion Program. New York City has been tested before, back in 2016, as have other major cities, including Washington, D.C., and Boston. How much of that was disclosed? How much was never disclosed in other locations? Think this is all for our own good, just to, quote, protect us? For the record, according to the Washington Post and other sources, even as far back as 1977, the U.S. military had conducted some 239 open-air biological tests on innocent and unknowing U.S. civilians. Think anything has changed? Think again. What's the bottom line factor fueling the increasing societal insanity and rapidly unfolding converging collapse scenarios? The abrupt and accelerating implosion of Earth's life support systems being further fueled by the climate engineering insanity. On the subject of climate collapse, this new headline from theconversation.com, quote, in the face of chaos, why are we so nonchalant about climate change, question mark? Not surprisingly, the single most destructive form of human activity, climate intervention operations, was completely omitted from the conversation in theconversation.com report. Question, how many in the human race in academia, in the sciences, in the medical industry, etc., will do or say whatever they feel is necessary to maintain or improve their personal paradigm. How many? Answer, far too many, which is exactly the reason why we now find ourselves painted into such a dark corner. And never, ever forget, nothing could be the way it is without the active or passive participation and support of the majority population. Conclusion, The combination of criminally insane power structures and completely complacent populations will most certainly soon deliver us to planetary omnicide, short of a complete change of course. On that note, what course is the so-called climate science community pushing? From thenationalpost.com last week, quote, why we must embrace geoengineering and other technologies to stop the climate crisis as if climate engineering hasn't already been ongoing for 75-plus years with catastrophic results. The report then states, Diplomacy aside, it's time to do more than agree to cut emissions. Some scientists say an engineered climate recovery must be taken seriously with aggressive and deliberate management strategies put into place. We need to cultivate citizen interest and government support for research into development of large-scale geoengineering projects. Again, does anybody look up? We are truly living in a full-blown planetary asylum. The report then states this. In her 2019 book, climate researcher Holly Jean Buck noted that our times urge us to make innovative and even risky repairs to restore the planet by building a tech-dependent future. Question, how are all those tech fixes going so far, Holly? Is climate engineering author Holly Jean Buck ignorant of the climate intervention operations that have been ongoing? Again, for over 75 years, not so much. Here's a very brief audio excerpt from Holly Jean Buck's 2017 interview of myself representing geoengineeringwatch.org. 
simply forced to face the fact that, that these programs were in fact deployed and uh, raining an unimaginable amount of toxicity down, destroying the ozone layer, uh, the list goes on and on. And so I was simply forced to either turn away or, or face this issue, and I, I couldn't turn away. So if I, if I recall, a few years ago, um, some of your work was more um, about chemtrails, and now it seems more uh, emphasized um, geoengineering, and I'm just wondering if you could talk a little about the evolution there, about the relationship between the two concepts. Can you cite any of my work that uses that term? Any of my um, work other than... Other no, than no, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about maybe um, three to five years ago. So am I. I mean, if you can cite any of my work other than to refer that geoengineering refers to the layman's term of chemtrails, it has no scientific basis whatsoever. And I have adamantly always adhered to the science terms, thus the name of our site, which has always been that name, geoengineeringwatch.org. So I, I just would ask not to be confused with other uh, groups that are using that term. I don't use it and have adamantly and tenaciously adhered to the, the climate science t- terms on this issue. Okay, um, that's the best you can do, Mrs. Buck. What a glaring example of the paid deceivers in the so-called climate science community. So that was the best Holly Jean Buck could do, was to attempt to marginalize geoengineeringwatch.org by falsely accusing me of using non-science terms, all the while pushing climate engineering as a so-called cure that we have no choice but to accept. If you want to hear the entire 20-minute exchange of the interview I just gave an excerpt of, search this, the Forum for Climate Engineering Assessment Interview with Dane Wigington. What kinds of facts is so-called climate researcher Holly Jean Buck pushing down our throats as, again, a so-called cure for climate collapse? Here's a snapshot example from a 1997 document, which Ms. Buck apparently never bothered to research, titled Global Warming and Ice Ages. It states this, Prospects for physics-based modulation of global climate change. In the report, it states this, Alumina, i.e. aluminum, like sulfate, is ubiquitous in the terrestrial biosphere, and its stratospheric injection seemingly poses no significant environmental issues. How blatant can the deception get? Spraying bioavailable aluminum into our skies poses, quote, no significant environmental issues? For the record... Freeform aluminum does not exist in the environment naturally. It must be mined and refined and dispersed to become freeform and thus bioavailable. Bioavailable aluminum is highly toxic to virtually all life forms. So while Holly Jean continues to pretend climate engineering is just a, quote, conspiracy theory, the weather warfare rages on. From Global Times, CN, and other sources, this headline, Beijing freezes 20 days earlier than average amid cold wave that will likely drive up heating demand and strain the grid. Just an act of nature, many would claim? Not so much. Let's rewind. 2007 article from the UK Guardian. China claims to have created first artificial snowfall, which is completely false. We we have patents for chemical ice nucleation for other modification going back many decades. They're posted at geoengineeringwatch.org, but let's all just pretend China just invented this. The report states a spokesman for the Tibet Meteorological Office said the artificial snowfall was created from cloud seeding. Let's go to February 2009 from Reuters, who states China's artificially induced snow closes 12 highways. 
Let's now go to November 2009 from ABC News, stating artificial snowstorm in China brings chaos to Beijing. Again, ABC News. Does everyone remember the Texas deep freeze from earlier this year when it was below zero in Dallas, while at the same time and at the same latitude it was 85 degrees in Florida? It was below zero in Dallas when it was 33 degrees warmer at the North Pole. No, not a freak act of nature. It's covert climate engineering operations and chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Please search the engineering winter section at geoengineeringwatch.org and go through the whole section. It's interesting how people have so much time for football games and beer and chips, but seemingly no time to investigate hard facts on climate intervention operations that are wreaking havoc on populations all over the world. Indeed, climate intervention operations that are an existential threat to all of us. Fast forward now to this 2020 headline from CNN News. China to expand weather modification programs to cover an area larger than India. But still, the blatant denial of climate engineering in America continues in spite of the fact that first, our top U.S. military brass has stated repeatedly on the record that the greatest U.S. national security threat of all is the collapsing climate. In spite of the fact that the U.S. military is bigger than the next 10 militaries combined, but no, we're to think that they would sit around and wait for someone to ask them to intervene in the climate, when in fact we know as a matter of historical record that weather warfare has been ongoing for many decades. Weather warfare, in fact, the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex, a weapon with which they can bring populations to their knees, cutting off food supplies, wreaking havoc in populations, and those populations don't even know they're under assault because everything can be blamed on nature. Moving on to more mass deception propaganda. From multiple major sources, White House vows to treat climate change as, quote, systemic financial risk. From this article, a new White House report says climate change poses, quote, systemic risks to the U.S. financial system and presents, quote, a roadmap to building a climate resilient economy. Total feel good mass distraction fantasy. Want the truth? Here it is. We're done. The party's over. Short of a complete cessation of man's assault on nature with the climate engineering operations at the top of the list of what must be exposed and halted if there is to be any chance of anyone surviving the near term, surviving what's already unfolding. From businessinsider.com, this investors could lose, could may might, $8.4 trillion to the climate crisis over 15 years as ocean health declines. That's from the WWF, World Wildlife Foundation. They state under a business-as-usual scenario in which little is done to address rising temperatures, investors in 66% of listed companies are at risk of big losses, according to WWF. WWF, the World Wildlife Foundation, is one of many hypocrite-filled so-called environmental groups that won't touch the climate engineering subject. Why? Because they don't want to lose their nonprofit status. And how do I know that? Because geoengineeringwatch.org attorneys were told so from WWF attorneys. And about the 15-year timeline they give, don't worry about that, because in the current course, we won't be here. You can quote me on that. But hey, maybe this is a solution. Let's keep greasing the wheels for big oil. That'll keep the party going, right? From the UK Guardian and other sources, fossil fuel industry, i.e. big oil and big coal, gets subsidies of $11 million a minute. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, found the production and burning of coal, oil, and gas was subsidized by $5.9 trillion 
in 2020, with not a single country pricing all its fuels sufficiently to reflect their full supply and environmental costs. Yes, we do live in a planetary asylum. Party until there's nothing left. From EHN.org, that's Environmental Health News, this, unplugged, abandoned oil and gas wells leave the ocean floor spewing methane. The Gulf of Mexico is littered with tens of thousands of abandoned oil and gas wells, and toothless regulation leaves climate warming gas emissions unchecked. For the record, methane is a greenhouse gas that is 120 times more potent than CO2 over a 10-year time horizon, and it is not only spewing from all these abandoned wells that the oil and gas industry just walks away from, but it is thawing and releasing from polar regions, most specifically the Arctic, search Siberian methane craters to see images that will shock you. But about the tens of thousands of leaking wells, not to worry. President Biden has assured us the total trashing of our planet by heavily subsidized big oil is actually a good thing because Biden says it will create lots and lots of new jobs mopping up the mess. Good luck with that, Joe, which will make America great again. Right, and then we can all continue to expand and consume the planet's last resources forever and ever. Loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute till nothing is left. What is the expected response from industrialized society? Not surprisingly, more tech insanity. Here it is. Nanoparticle, charge, and size control, foliar delivery efficiency to plant cells. From that report, this is from the Department of Botany and Plant Sciences, by the way, University of California, Riverside, and the State Key Laboratory of Plant Physiology and Biochemistry, College of Agronomy and Biotechnology, China Agricultural University of Beijing. And they state, Fundamental and quantitative understanding of the interactions between nanoparticles and plant leaves is crucial for advancing the field of nano-enabled agriculture. Well, that sounds really wholesome and healthy, doesn't it? They then state nanoparticle formulations with surfactants, also being used in weather modification, that reduce surface tension, were found to be crucial for enabling rapid uptake of nanoparticles through the leaf stomata and cuticle pathways. Even more nanoparticles of something, along with surfactants, in our food. What a great idea. On the subject of food, or rather the lack of it, from DW.com in Germany. Pandemic climate change, and conflict fuel sharp rise in global hunger. From that report, nearly 50 countries are dealing with serious hunger levels as 320 million people lost access to adequate food last year. A newly released index shows world hunger was set to end by 2030. Right. But now, the report states, the fight against hunger is dangerously off track. The latest global hunger index indicates the United Nations published data showing that the number of people who did not get adequate nutrition last year increased 320 million to 2.4 billion, amounting to nearly a third of the world's population. This increase is equivalent to that of the five previous years combined. The report then states one of the biggest challenges that we're facing is the loss of biodiversity. No kidding. For how many years? Have I tried to sound that alarm? Under any scenario, mass die-off of the human race is here and will accelerate rapidly if the current controllers are allowed to remain at the wheel. We have no chance. On that note of good cheer, more breaking bad news headlines in a moment. But first, I want to express my deepest gratitude to each and every individual that's doing their best to stay informed, to wake others with credible data from a credible source, and in doing so, helping to turn the tide of insanity. 
Thank you for making your voice heard in this most critical effort to sound the alarm. It's our collective actions that can yet make a difference. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the Global Alert News Hour, episode number 324, October 23rd, 2021. This is the bad news broadcast, but it's critical information that covers the issues we must collectively face if we're to have any chance of changing course. This non-political, commercial-free, frontline news broadcast is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org and paid for by geoengineeringwatch.org. This news hour is broadcast on AM and FM stations in Northern California, Washington State, on the East Coast, in Alabama, San Antonio, Texas, Tampa, Florida, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, and Portland, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, and Columbus, Ohio. I want to express my deepest gratitude to all those that have helped Geoengineering Watch expand our voice to so many major locations. Those that have helped in this effort know who they are. Recordings of the weekly Global Alert News broadcast can be found at geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent top stories and radio sections. The latest geoengineeringwatch.org awareness raising materials can be ordered from our homepage for our approximate cost of producing and shipping. Our color glossy flyers and booklets are packed with shocking satellite images, documents, patents, photos of the retrofit spray nozzles mounted on climate engineering aircraft. The list goes on and on. Again, our only goal is to sound the alarm as effectively and efficiently as possible. On that note, the recently completed geoengineeringwatch.org documentary on climate engineering titled The Dimming conclusively proves climate engineering operations are ongoing. This groundbreaking documentary is now posted on the top center of the geoengineeringwatch.org homepage. Please help us to overcome social media censorship and to expose the insanity in our skies by sharing the link to this groundbreaking documentary that fully exposes the ongoing climate engineering onslaught. Sharing the link for the documentary directly from geoengineeringwatch.org through email, helps us to overcome the attempt of the controllers to censor the dimming documentary and geoengineeringwatch.org data. Moving on, more from the so-called climate science community that is doing their best to cover the tracks of the climate engineers. From Scientific American, this, vapor storms are threatening people and property. More moisture and a warmer atmosphere is fueling intense hurricanes and flooding rains. Of course, Not a word about the climate engineering factor in the equation. The report states, scientists have long anticipated that climate change would create more airborne vapor, fueling what might be called vapor storms that are unleashing more rain and snow than storms did only a few decades ago. Again, a warmer world does not produce more snow. Chemical ice nucleation for weather modification does Please search the Engineering Winter section at the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. These are patented processes, patents going back decades. And China openly announcing they were engaged in these practices. Search Chinese scientists create artificial snowstorm. You'll find Fox News and Popular Science covered it. But now they're doing their best to sweep it under the rug. This report continues. Measurements confirm that heavy precipitation events are hitting harder and occurring more often across the U.S. and the globe. Certainly not happening in the western U.S., is it? Drought and deluge, the hallmark of climate engineering. The report then states, more vapor, i.e. water vapor, also makes hot nights perilous. Higher nighttime humidity prevents your sweat from evaporating. If intense storms and sweltering nights are not troubling enough, water vapor is also making global warming worse. The report states, even though carbon dioxide gets most of the attention, water vapor is by far the most important greenhouse gas in the atmosphere. Again, the the omission of climate engineering in this equation is absolutely criminal. The climate engineering particulates that reflect some of the daytime thermal energy from the sun while trapping it at night. And none of that 
even mentioned, let alone considered, in any of these so-called science articles. The report goes on to say that it absorbs much, i.e. water vapor, more of the infrared energy radiated upward by Earth's surface than do other greenhouse gases, thereby trapping more heat, again, as do climate engineering elements. To put this into perspective, the report says, a doubling of atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations by itself would warm the globe approximately one degree C, but feedback loops i.e. vicious cycles, make the temperature rise twice as much. Again, the report states, although feedback such as disappearing sea ice get a lot of attention, the water vapor feedback loop warming causes evaporation, which traps heat, creating even more warming. This is the strongest one of the climate system factors, it says. This is part of what climate engineers are trying to do, part of why they're drying out certain regions. They're trying in a very myopic attempt a very destructive attempt to mask the severity of planetary meltdown. They are trying to reduce atmospheric RH, but at what cost to the planet's overall life support systems? And all the while utilizing climate intervention operations for a long list of nefarious objectives and agendas that are completely rooted in the controller quest for total global domination. Using the atmosphere for a covert battleground has put us all on track for Venus Syndrome, If you want to know more about that not-so-cheerful subject, search geoengineeringwatch.org, Venus Syndrome. But ramming one's head in the sand won't stop what's coming. Having a nice new car, a McMansion, a big bank account, shiny gold coins, or circles of family and friends that are also neck-deep in denial won't stop what's already unfolding. But wait. If any really big threats were looming, the experts would warn us, right? Really? Such a notion couldn't be further from the truth. So-called public protection agencies are tasked with doing exactly the opposite, i.e. hiding threats from the public, not disclosing them. The same holds true for the plethora of bought and paid-for politicians from every side of the aisle. On that note, consider the following quote from Eric Schaub, who said, Can we truly expect those who aim to exploit us? To be trusted to educate us? That question's not hard to answer, is it? To be clear, the consequences of censoring countless dire truths from public view and thus consciousness is to ensure our collective near-term demise. Why should we? Why would we trust the so-called experts or the so-called elected officials or corporate media, all those that have long since forfeited their honor, their virtue, and their morality for a paycheck and a pension from the money printers that control it all, from the climate engineering operations to the military industry, big pharma, the medical industrial complex. If you think any of them are here to help or are telling you the truth about almost anything, think again. Time to wake up. About the sea of disinformation we're drowning in. Last week, on the Weather Channel Climate Engineering Cover-Up Organization, so-called, quote, on-camera meteorologist Chris Warren did his part to push the ever-changing power structure disinformation when he stated, quote, the Pacific Ocean doesn't produce much moisture, end quote. Really, Mr. Warren, is such a ridiculous and false statement what you are paid to say in the attempt to convince the West Coast victims of climate engineering that the historically known for extreme rainfall Pacific Northwest that has in recent years been dried out and incinerated is the result of the Pacific Ocean not, quote, producing much moisture? Again, we're drowning in a money printer-funded matrix of deception that is pushed and propagated by paid liars like the cast 
of the climate engineering cover-up disinformation actors at the so-called Weather Channel. Northern California has just gone from six months of summer with no rain and constant triple-digit temperatures, including nighttime temperatures, that have often been as high as 90 degrees at midnight. Again, this is in a forested location on the east side of Lake Shasta. Never saw temperatures anywhere near that at midnight going back a decade or more. Never. Now it's constant. We've gone from that to instant winter in the middle of October. The global climate engineering cabal controls the spigot and can radically affect surface temperatures with patented processes of chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Just ask the residents of Dallas, Texas. Those with the courage and fortitude to actually investigate, search and view this title, Geoengineering Creating Freeze-Fry Extremes. Better yet, search all the headings on the top of the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. How do we know that there's a global cooperation scenario regarding climate engineering operations? Because we have Senate and government documents to prove it. Here's one 800-page example. Search geoengineeringwatch.org massive Senate document. The most important passages in that document are already highlighted for your convenience. Rewinding 10 days, there were no prediction for the West Coast trains of storms and desperately needed rain. With the exception of NOAA's long lead forecast, that's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, other sources like AccuWeather didn't show any significant rain coming for Northern California till near the end of the year. Again, only NOAA had what appears to be the current and seemingly correct scheduled weather script. Why or how? Because the so-called weather modeling for NOAA and the National Weather Service is done by private defense corporation and primary climate engineering contractor Raytheon. The nation's weather personnel at NOAA and the National Weather Service are literally reading scheduled weather scripts from the weather makers themselves. Why was the decision made to schedule parts of the U.S. West to receive a few rounds of very needed, though highly toxic, rain? One primary factor is likely that the climate engineers believe they have yet again been able to mask the Arctic sea ice implosion for one more year, though they facilitated the incineration of nearly 50 million acres of Earth's last remaining forests to do it. What do I mean by that? It is connected to the complete cutting off of Northern California's rain for the last six hellish months. Peer-reviewed science data exists that advocates for the intense incineration of forests in order to achieve enough atmospheric particulate loading to provide temporary cooling, especially in the polar regions, as that is where much of the sun-blocking smoke particles eventually end up due to the Coriolis effect, i.e. the spin of the planet. What does all this translate to? The climate engineers are utilizing forest incinerations as a form of artificial volcano. They, the weather makers, have established the conditions necessary for the incinerations by cutting off precipitation to key regions for extended periods, year after year after year. The record-setting infernos fill the skies with sun-blocking particles which provide temporary daytime cooling at the cost of a worsened overall long-term warming and the total decimation of Earth's remaining life support systems, not unlike the pharmaceutical-industrial approach to the functions of the human body, i.e., treat the symptom, ignore the consequences. Though most are aware of the catastrophic fires in California, how many know Siberia lost 20 times more forest this year alone? Over 40 million acres of forest went up in flames. How do all these puzzle pieces fit together? Search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda. The climate science community's 
continued denial of climate engineering in this equation is beyond criminal. Again, the geoengineers control the spigot. How much rain, where, and how toxic that rain will be. To those who still refuse to believe that weathermakers have the technology to steer storms and atmospheric moisture, please undertake objective research. Over 50 years ago, the U.S. military was carrying out climate modification on a colossal scale, even with resources and technology that are far inferior to today. Project Popeye in Vietnam is historical proof. It's imperative to always remember and consider the agendas and objectives behind the climate intervention operations are many and complex. Try searching this title. Geoengineering. Answers to the most commonly asked questions. But don't count on Google to reveal this link to you. They've done everything they can to completely censor geoengineeringwatch.org data. Try other search engines or go to the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to find the link. Let's cover another headline. This one from PBS. Vice President Harris discusses tackling climate change. From that report, officials said Harris will discuss the separate $1 trillion public works infrastructure deal that passed the Senate months ago and is awaiting House approval. The same package contains roughly $8 billion for western water projects. Some of the ways the plan would combat the effects of drought include investments in desalinization technology that makes seawater usable, fortifying rural water infrastructure, and building more wastewater recycling technology to help stretch existing supplies. The report then states the Biden administration has said its infrastructure spending plans would create millions of jobs in repairing water infrastructure, restoring watersheds and wetlands, and increasing water efficiency. What a pack of total nonsense. All of it. Pollyanna propaganda being pushed on populations to pacify them till the brutal, bitter end, which now draws very near. Let's cover one more disinformation headline. This one from CBS News. Here's the headline. Federal agencies spell out their plans to help Americans cope with climate change. Again, this question, is it rational to believe that the controllers actually want to help Americans or any other global population to, quote, cope with climate change, i.e. abrupt climate collapse, so that populations can continue to proliferate and thus consume what's yet left of the planet's rapidly dwindling resources until there's nothing left? Those in power have long since stated the exact opposite as their objective, to radically reduce populations specifically because the planet can no longer bear the weight of the human race. Earth's life support systems are completely imploding. What actions would we, should we, expect those in power to take? For how long have such actions been implemented? Have such actions been recently ramped up to, quote, warp speed? I'll leave that up to the listener to determine. Why are so many willing to grant power structures the right to decide who will remain, at least for a while, and who won't? Those in power did everything to make the current paradigm of self-extermination possible. Sadly, the vast majority of populations have always been all too willing to go along in order to keep their personal pursuit of pleasure and material gain going. Again, this reminder, those in power could not carry out their agendas and objectives without the active or passive support of the majority population. Impact at full velocity draws nearer by the day, and the human race, taken as a whole, even now, is pushing the accelerator to the floor, full speed ahead. Life on our formerly thriving planet is now completely out of balance, completely off the rails. The Hopi had a word for this. It's called Koyanaskatsi. There's a documentary with that word as a title, K-O-Y-A-A-N-I-S-Q-A-T-S-I. They saw it from so long ago, and now we're there. Here's a quote from Derek Jensen that should be deeply considered. Within this culture, wealth is measured by one's ability to consume 
and destroy. And this quote, also from Derek Jensen, For us to maintain our way of living, we must tell lies to each other, and specifically to ourselves. The lies are necessary because without them, many deplorable acts would become impossible. And this quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He said, The simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the entire world. Yes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, as the proverb goes. Have I ever wanted to lay down on the trail and give up? Absolutely. More times than I could ever recall, but my conscience won't allow it. I accept that the final outcome of this all-important battle is not in my control, but I also embrace that what I choose to do in the time I've been given is completely in my control. About 10 days ago, before all the disinformation actors pretending to be meteorologists got their updated script on the weather that the coming scheduled rain in Northern California was going to occur, I went to check on the most ancient Douglas fir tree that I know of on my habitat preserve. It's located on the side of a steep ridge. I believe this tree to be over 500 years old. To my total dismay, he was flashing out. He was dying. Saving such a tree when they are on their last leg is difficult, if not impossible, but I had to try. I went for water, and with considerable difficulty and multiple trips, I managed to carry a total of 30 gallons to him on the side of the ridge. I located where I believed his primary feeder roots to be and methodically trickled the water deep into the rocky ridge. Now I'll hope, and I'll wait, as some rain has now also come, which was, again, not formally scheduled. Given any chance at all, nature will defy the odds. Nature will prevail. And since I made the attempt to save my ancient friend on the side of the ridge, I was reminded of nature's tenacity last week. Just after the first heavily seeded moisture had fallen on my parched and dying forest, I went for a forest trek in the mist and drizzle, and far into the forest in a canyon, with now dead fir trees all around me, I spotted a banana slug making his way out from underneath a pile of forest duff, dead pine needles, leaves, and limbs that now no longer decompose. The microbiome is all but dead. The toxic rain has truly taken its toll, and yet somehow, against all odds, after six months of hellish triple-digit temperatures and no rain, a banana slug had emerged to resume playing his part in the drama at hand. Due to the increasingly hellish conditions in Northern California, I haven't seen a banana slug in my habitat preserve for almost 10 years, and yet here he was. I felt chills, I knelt next to him, and I was moved to the marrow. If he hasn't given up, I never will, ever. We, all of us, are fighting for our lives and for the lives of the voiceless, all the miraculous creatures that make up the web of life on which our lives completely depend. Time is not on our side. Reaching a critical mass of awareness regarding a wider horizon is the only way forward in this fight. Share credible data from a credible source. Please, make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay safe, stay strong. This is Dane Wigington with Geoengineeringwatch.org.